Welcome to Real Herbalism. Yeah. Welcome to Real Herbalism Radio Show 110. Today's show is brought to you by Candace Hunter Creations. Candace Hunter Creations, herbal health and lifestyle coaching for folks who want to live life to the fullest. Learn more on CandaceHunter.com. And Occupy Medical. Occupy Medical is a free integrated health clinic in Eugene, Oregon. We demonstrate by example that healthcare really is a human right. We accept donations and we are a 501c3 organization. Check us out at www.occupy-medical.com. And Ace High Heat Graphics, where they can custom imprint t-shirts, hoodies, pants, anything you can just, just about anything you can wear. Contact them at acehighheatgraphics.com. And Hunter Creation, website and graphic site designers, offering everything from small one-page websites to full-board e-commerce websites. Contact them at huntercreation.com. Hey, did you know you can become a member of our website, Sue? I, I did know that. I know. We ask this question every week. We ask this question every week. That is a great question, and it's a good reminder for those that are listening. <laughs> the Herbal Nerd Society, Society people. Yay. This is their way of bringing up the Herbal Nerd Society, the yep. coolest club on the internet. Well, we have to bring it up because we'll post our links to the Herb Society articles on Facebook and people say, well, I can't read that article. Well, this is why, because you need to be a member in order to see some of the content, not all the content of our of our website, but some of the content. We put four articles up every month and it's specific those those specific articles are for Herb Society members. So for we, the cool kids. For the cool yes. The cool thing about the cool kids at the Practical Herbalist website is that it's not that hard to become one. That's right. You just gotta pay four nine nine a month or for the whole year. Uh, there's another total. It's like 50 bucks, right? 49.99. It comes out to like 17 cents a day, people. Honestly, not that hard to become one of the cool kids here. And you also get those, uh, podcasts that we haven't been able to store on iTunes. Well, remember, oh, no, I'll like no, go no, way back. Yeah. Don't get, don't get confused. iTunes does not store podcasts. Yeah. Mm. No. They are just a feed aggregator for your stored podcast. So as a podcaster, you actually have to find a server and pay for that. Which uh-huh. is part of why the Herbal Nerd Society exists. Yep. The Herbal Nerd Society happily sponsors and takes care of the funding for Real Herbalism Radio. Mm-hmm. That's true. Thank you for supporting us. Thank you, Herbal Nerds. You guys rock. <laughs> totally. All right. And uh, we have a new program coming back, uh, Taste of Herbs. Yes. Rosalie is uh, Rosalie and Learning Herbs is launching. John Gallagher at Learning Herbs are launching their Taste of Herbs. That's happening this week, guys. Mm-hmm. This week already. Yeah. That's a nice opportunity for people to get a kind of a more broad spectrum view of it some is. of these herbs. A little different, different uh, taste. It's an awesome, I've, I've done the program and I, I really enjoyed it. It was a really wonderful way to get some great ideas for how to incorporate a lot of really good and healthful foods and herbs into your diet. Mm-hmm. So you can start adjusting your diet to better suit your family's and your own personal health needs Yeah, to help make, you know, just make you healthier, stronger. Yeah. So yeah, that is coming up. It's here now. And if you guys decide you want to check that out, there's a lot of free webinars and other cool stuff that they are going to be putting out. If you go and sign up for that stuff, 
Using our link. Our link. Our link. us, the Practical Herbalist, Real Herbalism Radio folks. We will get some credit there because we are actually affiliates for Learning Herbs. Mm -hmm. So when they make sales through our links, we do get a small piece of that profit. Mm -hmm. May not be a lot, but honestly, every little bit counts when you're running a shoestring operation like ours. Yes, then we (laughs) can buy more shoestrings. (laughs) Yep. I like lots of shoestrings <laughs> and we do envision some really cool things coming up over the next 12 months or so for ourselves. And I would love to gather some funding for some of that. Yes. Got some webinars. Secrets. I've got some webinar ideas here. I've got some book ideas. That's right. You know. Oh boy. Candace is dangerous to be around. Yes. It'll be fun stuff. So definitely, if you're interested, check out Taste of Herbs. Use our link. The link will be available in, in the banners on uh, the Practical Herbalist. It'll be available in the show notes here. Should be easy. If yep. you're an Herbal Nerd Society member, you're definitely going to get an email, at least one um, this week, probably one or two this week about it. Okay. Um, and if you're not an Herbal Nerd Society member, but you want to get onto the Practical Herbalist new- newsletter mm-hmm. list, you will also definitely get at least one email. I can't remember how many I put together. I kind of was late the other night. Yeah. But anyway, you'll get some emails. You'll get access to the cool content that's coming out that's from right. Learning Herbs. It's not the first time we have pushed more education. That is yeah. an RMO. Yes, mm-hmm. definitely. And Taste mm-hmm. of Herbs is an attainable, awesome education. This is the week. This is the big week for us, isn't it, Sue? American Herbalist week. Guild Symposium. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, I don't know if there is still room to sign up for that, but, you know, they do have an online thing. They do. They do. And I'm not sure if every, I'm not sure if, if like, if our per- particular one will be available online, mm. but there's so many good speakers that are going to be there that, honestly, if you can't be there in person, you really should sign up online. Yeah. Because yeah. it's, it's just going to, it's going to be a great conference. Yeah. Just reading it over, we were saying, Oh, I want to take that class. Oh, I want to take that class. Oh, I want to. Take oh, that I know. Class. <laughs> I, I'm like, I've got at least two for every single time block that I would like to be in, including two for the same time block where we're teaching. Yeah. So yeah, I've got to get that. my cloning technology, uh-huh. you know, get my Candace, time machine Candace technology. Xerox. I need a TARDIS is what I need. I thought in that Harry <sighs> Potter movie, the, the, um, Gal Harry Potter. Yeah, with yeah, the she, clock. You want the time turner? I want the TARDIS. Hmm, okay. I think that would be more fun. Hmm. Maybe that sounds more fun. Blue police box. But you gotta you gotta admit a pocket watch is easier to store. It is easier to store. Mm-hmm. It is. Definitely. But I can fit more herbs in a TARDIS than I can in a time turner. That's true. And you the other advantage to that TARDIS thing is it won't get caught in the washing machine. Exactly. Like a pocket. So yeah, there's yeah. something that, so, something to be said for either one. We'll look yeah. into it. Get back to you later. <laughs> What herbalists of old knew so well is that food is medicine and herbs are a key component to healing chronic health problems. That old wisdom is alive today in the practice of many family herbalists who inevitably rely on the guidance of practiced herbal teachers and guides. Today we're talking with herbal educator and clinical herbalist Rosalie Della Foray, author of Alchemy of Herbs, about her favorite herbs for healing chronic conditions right at home. Now here are your hosts, Candace Hunter and Sue Lupe. I'm Candace Hunter. And I'm Sue Sierra Lupe. And, and welcome, welcome to Real Herbalism Radio. Welcome, Rosalie. We're so happy to have you back. Yes. Yeah, thank you for having me. Well, we are we're gonna jump right in here. We we've had you as a guest before, 
and uh, we're happy to have you again as a guest. And boy, and the first interview, we just sat there and thought of even more and more questions, but we ran out of time. So here's our chance. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, super, I'm happy to be back. <laughs> I'm super excited because one of the pieces of your clinic that I find just fascinating and inspiring is the fact that you help people with chronic health conditions. And part of that means you, this is going to sound so terrible, you force them to actually <laughs> deal with it over more than just one week. How does that work? Mm-hmm. How does that work? Yeah, well, uh, you know, I've done a lot. I've done run my um, practice in many different ways, and I've worked at a free clinic, and um, I, I've just done a lot of different things. And over time, figured out like, oh, this doesn't work for me. This does work for me. You know how how can I help my clients to get the most out of this time with me, etc. And so kind of, I'll just speak plainly, one of my pet peeves uh, in working with people is that I would have one consultation with them. And then, um, you know, most times people come back, but sometimes they don't. And I would just be thinking like, well, did, did that help? Or did that yeah. not help? Or, uh, you know, what happened? I wouldn't know, you know, yeah. and I would just yeah. kind of be lost in, in thinking about that. So, um, uh, and, you know, I actually did do some follow up with people of like, oh, you know, you came and saw me that one time and I never saw you again. What happened? And and sometimes people are like, oh, I, I was fine. I didn't need to come see you again. Great. Nice. You know, and then awesome. sometimes people are like, oh, well, you know, I was just really confused. Like, uh, was I supposed uh, to take that like three times a day or like or they had questions about like how to make the tea or, you know, and they just got stuck and they, in didn't, that. Yeah. And they didn't and they, and they didn't, didn't move forward. Yeah. Yeah. And they didn't call. So. Um, so I created my practice with this idea of like, how can I be a best service to the people who come to see me? And but what came to that for me is that I need to be there for with them and like guide them along that process for a more extended period of time. So people who work with me have the option of working with me for one month, which includes a, you know, an intensive initial appointment where we, um, you know, they actually fill out an extensive intake form before I see them. And then we go over it together. Uh, and then they have, they can email me for, you know, that month long period. And then they have a follow up at the end. So we can make sure they're in a good place. They don't have questions, et cetera. Nice. Um, or they can do, you know, similar thing for three months or a similar thing for six months, kind of depending on, you know, where they're at and what they're looking for. So yeah, so I, I forced them to hang out with me for <laughs> quite a while. I really um, love just, that. I really love that. I really that. want to guide them on the, on the road. Cause you know, it's hard. And, and the other thing is, you know, when working with people with chronic illness, it's often that like cliched onion, right? It's like you work on that first level and then you go to the second level and the third level and, um, and kind of just keep peeling back the layers. So it's, you know, what I, if I'm working with someone with a chronic illness, my first recommendations are most likely going to change as they change. And the best way for people to understand that uh, is again, through this more like extended time together, because in Western medicine, you have a chronic disease, your doctor gives you a pill and then you're, you know, that's the it. And that's what, that's what people think. (laughs) They just want the symptom to stop. Yeah. That's right. That's, that's and it. so by, you know, getting them to come back, I can say, okay, so we, you know, we'd had this plan and we implemented it and this is the results you got. Here's the next step. And yeah. so it helps again to have that more extended time together. Yeah. And there are so many herbs that work well for, you know, for helping deal with chronic stuff that you can take over and over and over again. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
So the one absolutely of the, one of the ones that we've been using at our clinic a lot is dandelion, and now mm-hmm. now I, I I have looked in your wonderful book Alchemy of Herbs and noticed that's one of the ones you feature. Can you talk a little bit about that one? Sure. I love to speak about dandelion on so many different levels. One, um, because it's a plant that just grows ubiquitously, ubiquitously. ubiquitously yeah. everywhere. Um, that I really like to uh, teach people about it because it's a plant that they can go hang out with, uh, most likely in their front yard or at the park down the street or or something. Um, I also love to talk about it because I think it is a profoundly healing plant and it's a generous plant that offers us so many different levels of healing, whether it's um, the medicine found in the roots or uh, the food found in the leaves or just the simple joy of those beautiful flower blossoms that cover everywhere. I love blowing the um, And even though it's, <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, it gives us those free wishes. Yeah. And, um, you know, even though it's an introduced species here in North America, it's, already profoundly you know it's it's made its way here it's here to stay and it's profoundly important to the larger ecosystem too in terms of supporting uh honeybees for example it's one of the first flowers to bloom and can be really important um for bees so it does so many things and yet it's uh 80 million uh pounds of herbicide are sprayed on dandelions every year by homeowners too yeah, you know they're so the worst. i like to speak about it on on multiple levels, because I think the more people that love dandelion and understand how healing and amazing it is, you know, the less uh, harmful chemicals will be introduced to our environment as well. So one of the things about Um, working in the commercial world is if you are on a commercial farm, you are heavily regulated in how you use those pesticides and herbicides, whereas the real problem is the homeowners. They're the ones that are using it improperly and dumping it into our system. Not that herbicides and pesticides are, are good for you. But the the, yeah. the improper use is homeowners. It's us. We yeah. get to fix yeah. it. We get to fix yeah. it. Yeah. 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 And so if people, I, it's just kind of a weird, I mean, I think people have been like basically talked into hating this plant. So we just need to change that paradigm oh, and yeah. get them to love it in oh, a yeah. better way to, you know, incorporate it into your life on so many different levels. So one of, um, I have two favorite ways to use dandelion, um, which, you know, there's like a thousand ways to use mm-hmm. it. But the two that I do more, most often is I love the leaves as a spring bitter. And so that's, oh, yeah. um, you know, my husband is French and he remembers going out into the fields with his mother and harvesting the leaves in the springtime. And, you know, they, they are from the Alps where they traditionally eat this very heavy meals, um, oh, you know, yeah. winter food. And, and so that those spring greens, like the dandelion, were a really important part of a traditional culture of um, revving up the digestion. So um, I'll explain that, I guess. So the, you know, those tender green leaves, they're one, full of nutrients. Uh, so that in itself is fabulous. And they have things like vitamin C and beta carotenes, uh, potassium. And um, so a lot of lovely nutrients in there. But even in addition to that, they have that slightly bitter taste, which is so important for stimulating our digestion. And, um, and you know, herbalists and cocktail enthusiasts and uh, even, you know, people in the, the greater nutrition world are really understanding that that bitter taste is so important to maintaining a healthy digestion. And 
we've been, you know, getting rid of the bitty, bitter taste out of our diet for a while now. And so it's this, there's a big movement to bring it back. And the yeah. dandelion grains can be a great way to do that. It is nice so, to see that happening because I know, I mean, yeah. you know, you go you go get the lettuce and you're, it's hard to find lettuce in the grocery that actually tastes bitter. You know, I mean, right. yeah. even the stuff that's supposed to, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 So, you know, dandelion's great just as a, you know, put it in your salad and that can be a lovely way to have it. What I really love is the dandelion pesto and it's something I make a lot of. And I live in a pretty rural, small community. There's lots of potlucks here and I often bring the dandelion pesto to potlucks in the springtime. And um, I love it. People ask for the recipe all the time. They just can't believe it. And then, you know, they get really excited about it too, you know? Oh, yeah, that's nice. so cool. And now you just say, uh, well, you can buy the book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, at a recent, um, well, I guess it's been several months now, but um, I, you know, brought the dandelion recipe to a potluck and people said, they and it was the exact same recipe in the book, and so uh, that was kind of a, it was kind of fun. I'm like, well, and I'll even sign it for you. Yeah, <laughs> sign the pesto. So I noticed yeah. in your dandelion pesto recipe, you also have, and this is interesting to me, turmeric, which is yeah. a, a healer in and of itself. Can you talk uh-huh. about that. Yeah. So the um, I like to sneak turmeric into food wherever I can. Uh, because it's so vastly, um, well, let me think of it this way. Like if we made a list of all the things that turmeric is good for, right? I don't really work like that as an herbalist, but it's definitely like we <laughs> yeah. could say it's good for a lot of things. It like um, it's good for liver. It's good for the heart. It's good for type two diabetes and insulin resistance. It's good for Alzheimer's. It's good for, and I can go on and on and on. Like if yeah. we made a list of all the things that turmeric is good for, it would seem like almost unbelievable, right? Like, right. sure. Yeah. Watch out. They're going <laughs> to label it a superfood soon. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. has been. yeah. So I was really, you know, thinking about that, like how is turmeric good for everything uh, seemingly? And I think a major way that turmeric is just so healing and has this effect on so many different levels is that it modulates inflammation. Mm. And so many of those diseases that I named really have their roots in chronic systemic inflammation. And that's really the underlying cause of so many of our Western diseases. So turmeric, of course, is not the only herb that does this. You know, that there's many herbs that modulate inflammation, but turmeric does it really well. And science has really latched onto it. So there's tons of studies out there mm-hmm. on turmeric uh, as well. So it can be one that, you know, can be like scientifically validated for herbal skeptics out there. Yeah, it's, it's approachable. So, it's, it's approachable. Yeah. 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 And so one thing mm-hmm. that's interesting to me about turmeric is that, you know, by taking turmeric, especially if we get it into our diets every day, which is like I, why I like to put it in like things like dandelion pesto and sneak it in places where you might not suspect it necessarily. (laughs) Um, It can help our bodies more like it helps our bodies regulate inflammation. So it's not like it is an exogenous thing we're taking, right? It's this external thing that we're taking, but it in itself isn't transforming us. It's interacting with our DNA. It's interacting with our body's physiological processes to help modulate inflammation and so that um, we can have a healthy inflammatory response that's not excessive or chronic that we see. So one thing I think that's really interesting about this, and I have to credit uh, Dr. Kevin Spellman and um, Guido Masse 
for really putting these seeds into my mind, but something I've been thinking about a lot is that do we, what's the best use of turmeric? You know, do we take it to, you know, because it's good, you know, to address these issues that we might have, these chronic issues that we have? Or is it that we're missing it and other herbs like it from our diet that we're having all of these problems, Mm -hmm. right? You know, we need that interaction with plants that can help stimulate our own body to have that response. So we've talked about two herbs already that are really great for that. So by taking dandelion bitter leaves in the springtime or whenever, we're actually increasing our body's ability to digest food well. Some people, like they say, oh, I, you know, I don't have enough digestive enzymes, not digesting very well. So I'll take a pill that gives me (laughs) digestive enzymes, right? Yeah. Well, dandelion, by taking dandelion, we're actually stimulating our own body's ability to, you know, to you, to you, uh, create those digestive enzymes. So we don't have to rely on this, uh, exogenous source of them. So same thing with turmeric and again, other plants like it that are these inflammatory modulating plants, um, by taking them, we're actually stimulating our own body's response and maintaining health on this other level. And I think that's a really profound thing to think about when you when you think about how long we as a human species, or even like our prehistoric ancestors, like Homo erectus, there was a recent archaeological dig where they looked at skeletons and they were able to analyze the dental uh, tartar in their teeth. Mm-hmm. And they... We're able to show that 800,000 years ago, that's uh, 400,000 lo- years longer than we've had controlled use of fire. So 800,000 years ago, um, that Homo erectus were eating medicinal plants, so things amazing. like chamomile, things like plantain and clover and maidenhair fern. And so when you think about, I mean, it's like unfathomable how long yeah. the human kind has been interacting with medicinal species. Uh, plants. And I feel like we're just kind of in this like cultural uh, experiment, right, in our standard American (laughs) diet where we're figuring out how long we can go without (laughs) interacting with these plants, you know, Mm -hmm. because we eat iceberg. I mean, I'm talking a sad diet, you know, we eat lettuce, we eat tomatoes in the form of ketchup, and we eat potatoes in the form of fries. Right. And those, you know, that's the, the plants that we're interacting with instead of this incredibly diverse phytonutrient rich herbs and spices and vegetables and fruits that we have been interacting with for, you know, however many hundreds of thousands of years. And what passes for meat. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Which isn't very healthy. I was talking with a patient and this was a reminder you mentioned about the color, the color, which is antioxidants, full of antioxidants of turmeric. And it's a antioxidant we can see and, and he had, the patient had the color on his fingers and I was asking him, well, do you want some hints on getting rid of that color? He said, no, when I have this on my fingers, it reminds me that I'm healing myself. So walking <laughs> around with that, that orangey like tips. Yeah, yeah. That reminds me like to stay that. focused on healing. I thought that was a pretty, pretty wonderful way to remind yourself about it. Just have the mm-hmm. color of healing on your fingers. On that mm-hmm. color. I- Oh, I love that. Yeah, I was going to say that color in Indian culture is like inviting in fertility and growth and wealth. And, you know, it's a really, really positive, vibrant piece of healing, just the color of turmeric on your fingers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you um, are combining turmeric with black pepper. Can you talk a little bit about that? There's been a lot of press about that. 
Yeah. Yeah. So that's actually something that I'm kind of like in the process of thinking about more, more and more. So, um, how it, it kind of came about is that, so we have turmeric, right? And so then we have companies and science and stuff. They like to break things down into their parts, right? Mm-hmm. So they've isolated curcuminoids as a you know mm-hmm. isolated chemical constituent within turmeric and mm-hmm. one that they've identified as having a lot of um, possibility, at, you know, a lot of medicinal purposes. And so then they've They've, you know, there's different patents and, you know, trying to isolate that. And so now you can go to the health food store and instead of getting whole turmeric, you can get these uh, curcumin extracts. Mm, Single single extract, yeah. Yeah, single extracts. But what they found pretty early on is that their curcumin uh, extracts were not readily absorbable by the body. Mm -hmm. Basically, they just kind of like, they were like a quick quick flare. So they'd go through and then they wouldn't really last in the body. And so then they figured out, well, if they added piperine, um, which is an extract of black pepper, that would extend the uh, bioavailability of the curcumin, thus making it a much more efficient product. Mm-hmm, sure. And so, um, and so that use has been extended to whole turmeric. And so we're talking about whole turmeric now. So we take whole turmeric and then we add black pepper to it um, in terms of making it more bioavailable. So it, that's kind of an interesting thing in that we do see... Uh, in Ayurveda that turmeric and black pepper are uh, commonly used together. Uh, And Dr. Kevin Spellman earlier, you know, he maintains that if you just use whole turmeric, it's, you know, it's way more bioavailable than like the curcuminoids are on their own. So Mm, is, you know, so I, the thing about black pepper that I find so amazing is that not only does it help things like the curcumins be more bioavailable, but it actually helps our, all of our food be more bioavailable. And so I think that it's one, it's a spice that, I mean, it's our most common spice, mm-hmm. right? It's yeah. the, makes the, it's the yeah. most traded throughout the entire world. And most people are simply using it because we, you know, it's this adorns every table from like dive diners to right. fancy right. restaurants to right. like our home restaurants. So it's everywhere. But I think that we really need to reclaim how amazing black pepper is because it does increase the bioavailability of our food. So, you know, we spend, um, my, my husband and I actually spend a lot of money on food because we're getting it all organic, all local, you know, from, um, ethical ranchers, et cetera. So it does cost more. And I think, well, we're spending all this money on food. We're <laughs> making this investment. Like we should really get the most out of it, right? Right. <laughs> um, or, black pepper you know, on everything. Not... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I do. I keep black pepper on the table um, and use it for everything. And this, so this idea that it increases bioavailability, it's actually been studied um, and to figure out like what is this because they want to know, you know, what what's going on? Why is this working like this? So they, um, in one study, they. They showed three ways that black pepper increases the bioavailability or the nutrient absorption from our foods. So one, it's a circula- circulatory stimulant. So it's transporting nutrients around the body. Um, this is this one's really cool. It modulates cell membranes. And so it helps transport nutrients through barriers. So nutrients makes it into cells better. Mm-hmm. Nice. And then it also increases the blood supply to the GI tract, thus helping digestion. We have a lot of herbs that do that, but black pepper does it in this great way. Um, and so, you know, in the herbal world uh, and a lot of holistic practices, we see 
poor digestion as being the root cause of many diseases. Because if we aren't able to absorb our nutrients well, then we are lacking the basic building blocks we need for good health. Right. Just goes right so through. I think that the common black pepper can really be proclaimed as this amazing spice that we can be adding to all of our meals. It's such a simple thing uh, to be getting more of those nutrients and building blocks from our food. Thus, you know, because we're promoting good digestion and it can have really profound in, you know, as we improve our digestion, it can have profound impacts on all sorts of areas of health. So um, another way of saying it is if you're eating like the healthiest foods in the world, but you aren't, uh, you know, absorbing it very well, then it's not going to do a yeah, lot of good. Yeah. So. Then what's the point, right? Yeah. 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 And now it's uh, time for a word from our sponsor. Occupy Medical is free street reach integrated health clinic that demonstrates by example that healthcare really is a human right. We're an all volunteer clinic of doctors, nurses, herbalists, and others working together to heal the community. What kind of donations are you guys looking for? We need vitamins, herbs, socks, toothbrushes, and, of course, good old-fashioned money. You can find a complete list of our needs and contact information at Occupy-Medical.org. Occupy Medical is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. And we're back. We are talking right now with Rosalie about improving your digestion and helping to heal chronic conditions using herbs and herbalism. And black pepper is the one that's on the table at the moment. <laughs> black pepper is on the table. Smooth. I know. I do crazy things, right? Like I have actually put black pepper on like ice cream and other like treats, sweet treats. You have done mm-hmm. that. I have done that. You're looking at me like you don't believe me. It's true. No, 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 no. <laughs> Candace, I have known you a long time. I totally believe you. There is no doubt. No, 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 no. It is, it is so, it's wonderful and gently warming and it really brings out the sweet flavor. <laughs> it's used in one, one of the traditional blends for Indian chai includes black pepper. What about the other peppers? Like there's red pepper, there's white pepper. Sejuan peppers. Yeah, the, the, yeah, the, they all look like peppercorns. Is that, you think those count you in mean, there? You mean all the different colored peppercorns? Yes. Yeah, so th- those are all from the same plant. They're just processed differently. So, and off the top of my head, I can't remember all of them, but, you know, it's like black peppercorns are actually cooked briefly, briefly I believe, and then dried, and then... Well, it's like tea. Um, yes. Yeah, I think just the, like how tea, tea is tea. Green peppercorns, pink peppercorns, I think might be from a totally right. different species. No, they're not. What? What madness are you speaking can, to me? They can be. <laughs> they can be from a different species, <laughs> oh. actually. It depends on which one there is. So. Uh-huh. The Szechuan yeah. ones are different, but... I think the ones like when you get that black, that colored peppercorn mix, that has got the pink, the green, the white, Mm -hmm. the black. Yeah. They're all the same plant and they're like some are ripe and some aren't ripe. Some are fermented. I can't remember which ones are Mm -hmm. which. Mm. Yeah. I can never keep it straight either, but (laughs) they're all all the same. But they all have, they all have that same kind of constituent. And not to say it's the same as red pepper. Our cayenne, cayenne pepper, pepper. Yeah, totally that's different. different. That's just mm-hmm. they just have the same nickname. That's all, right? Yeah, they're, they're a different creature. Yeah. Well, I'm really glad that that's accessible. There's another another couple of herbs I want to talk about. Okay, so there's one that's good for digestion, traditionally, right? Oh, I'm thinking of of chamomile. Is that what you're thinking? Yeah, of? that's what I was thinking. <laughs> chamomile. 
<laughs> yeah, but most people think of chamomile. They're like, oh, chamomile tea, that puts you to sleep. That's right. Other people do think that way. <laughs> Other people do. Yeah. Well, it's had quite the marketing uh, behind it for it, sleepy time mm-hmm. tea and different things like that. But what say you, Rosalie? <laughs> well, in um, I feel like I have to kind of like redeem myself with chamomile because for years I just thought of it as kind of like this weak plant that I really dismissed it. Me too. Um, mm-hmm. And so... And I don't, I actually do not remember really how it came about that I changed my mind on this, but I think the dosage actually has a lot to do with it. Um, Hmm. So often, you know, we're taught about chamomile, we get our little tea bag out and we dunk it in water for a couple of minutes um, and then we drink our tea and that, that makes a great, like lovely, you know, Swedish tea. It tastes good. Mm -hmm. Um, It can be really convenient, but I, when using chamomile in much larger quantities and uh, steeping it for a much longer time, you have a much more profound effects uh, feeling that, um, especially as a sedative, as you mentioned, like that can be a strongly sedative, not like a, oh yeah, it's a nice sleepy time tea, but like a very, very strong sedative when you take mm-hmm. it like that. Um, and so I should say when, like, I'm sorry, that's mm-hmm. when you get that bitter taste. If you just yeah. steep it a exactly. little bit, it's yeah. going to taste yeah. very sweet. You steep it right. a while, so it gets a nice, good color. That's when you feel the bitter. Right, right. Yeah. So um, so I would say, you know, for a, a strong, you know, put you to sleep kind of tea, which is also, um, you know, it's relaxing the whole body. And so that is also amazing for really intense spasmodic muscle pain. So mm-hmm. that could be like, a you know, leg cramps which you might want to look into magnesium deficiency right. and it could also be used. Um, I use it all the time for um, menstrual cramps, which again could be a nutrient deficiency, yeah. uh, but it works great for those like in the moment, you know, or even just like tense musculature. So great. But you, if you use it in less quantity, but you do steep it for a long time, like you said, you get those bitter tastes coming out. And it is an amazing herb for digestion on so many different levels. Like one, that bitter taste, which we talked about with dandelion, but also it's great when there's digestive problems relating to muscle tension, relating to anxiety, uh, relate, relating to tension, because it's working on a couple of, you know, as many plants do, it's um, kind of promoting digestion in a supportive way while also relaxing things so that we can slip more into that parasympathetic nervous system and go into the, you know, relax and digest mode of our being um, and get us out of that um, kind of hyped up sense. So chamomile, it's so like we mentioned it for sleep. We mentioned it for digestion. Mm -hmm. Um, It also works really well for anxiety, which is all kind of related to that. Um, and there's actually some really interesting studies that they've done showing that uh, chamomile is wonderful for um, uh, anxiety, even people who've been diagnosed with general anxiety disorder. So um, it has that powerful effect on it. Um, it's also one of my favorite. The eyes. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, I have a good eye story for chamomile. Oh, I, I want to hear your do eye tell, story. Do tell, do tell. One of my first uh, conferences I ever taught at, I woke up that morning and I had pink eye. Oh, and, uh, oh. and so, you know, like it's pretty gross pink eye. Yes. I mean, it's just like really goopy and bloodshot eye. And oh, it's just like my eyes are just watering thinking about it. Um, so I always travel with my little first aid kit and I had chamomile tea bags in there. 
And mm-hmm. so I, you know, put, dunked them in hot water and then put the chamomile bag over my eye. And I had several bags with me, so I kept switching it out. And by the time I taught my class, I barely had any um, red, you know, any red eyes on that. So it's really, uh, when parents ask me, like, what one herb should I have, you know, on hand? I always say chamomile because, uh, you know, pink eye conjunctivitis can be such a big deal. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, it's one of my favorite cold and flu herbs. Yes. Uh, I discovered it it this last spring. I had a really horrible flu cold thing. And I kept feeling I was so whiny. I mean, I was just like crabby (laughs) and whiny about everything. (laughs) And I noticed that my digestion wasn't like great. I was kind of like feeling sort of like gassiness. And I'm like, and I just was whining and complaining. And then suddenly I remembered my Matthew Wood mm-hmm. <laughs> in which he has a quote. And I wish I could remember who he's quoting. But he says the chamomile, chamomile is for whiny babies of all ages. Oh. <laughs> and I thought, that's it. And I, and I was so fortunate because I was gifted with some a big bag of chamomile just like weeks before that and from Sue, yep, in fact. That's right. And I'm I had, the supplier. And I had been right in the middle of like <laughs> playing with percolation tinctures. So mm-hmm. I had I happened to have a really like it tastes horrible. It's an absolutely horribly bitter chamomile tincture. You're welcome. Which I made because I thought this would be fun to make it. And then I when I was done with it, I was like, God, when am I gonna ever use this? This is so gross. <laughs> And then weeks later, it worked. I mean, it worked. It worked amazingly well. So herbs work. Is Is that what you're? Okay. All right. Someone should write a book about that. (laughs) Oh, I think Rosalie has. Oh, coincidentally. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. Yeah, You know, chamomile isn't an herb that's thought of a lot as a tincture, I don't think. And I really love it as a tincture because, again, you're getting that like stronger um, dosage or just, you know, concentration from it. And it's more appropriate, I think for bedtime actually, because then you aren't taking like a whole bunch of, you know, liquid before bedtime, (laughs) which is kind of not always helpful. So true. So very true. (laughs) I like combining it with different things like catnip and lemon balm, as a matter of fact. Mm -hmm. And I know lemon balm is one of your favorite herbs as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I do love lemon balm and, um, I, I, for a long time, it was just kind of, you know, another one of those herbs, but then I started growing it and, you know, then it, it grew right. I grew it in a pot and it was kind of by my front door. And so I was always reaching down and smelling it. And then I started making tea with it more and it's just, it's so lovely. It um, and so it, it's hard not to fall in love with Melissa. Yes, <laughs> yeah. It has a, such a lovely lemony taste and lemony smell. And yeah, if you want to feel like you're a successful herbal gardener, putting lemon balm in a little pot <laughs> would make you feel like a rock star. That's for sure. Because boy, is that a successful herb out here. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, that is so true. <laughs> yeah. And um, I love making it as like a, a cooling beverage in this. We, I live in... Um, a desert and it's very hot here in the summertime. So pretty much every day I'm making tea from mints um, and often lemon balm and uh, like to combine it with uh, hibiscus and a little bit of lavender and oh, make nice. that into an Ooh. iced tea. And I bring that up to the lake um, every day and uh, it's just so profoundly cooling. So yeah, that sounds um, nice. I actually lemon balm could probably win the prize for the most interesting study I found while I was um, uh-huh. researching for my book, Alchemy of Herbs. Oh, um, so this study, it just, you know, like we as herbalists, you know, you, you hear the kind of the same stories about herbs, you know, like, oh, this one's bitter or this one's relaxing. And you kind of get to know a, a plant like that. So 
you know, I, I maybe it was a little bit too like smarty pants and thought I knew all there was to know about lemon balm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I read this study and it totally blew my mind. So, um, what they did in this study, it was a human clinical trial and they took, uh, 55 radiology staff members. And so they were specifically looking at radiology staff members because they're, when they are around all those x-ray machines uh-huh. that they actually see, um, Damage. D- dam- damaged DNA. Yeah. And so can imagine. Um, what they did is they asked them to drink lemon balm tea, which it wasn't like some like fancy extract. It wasn't pills. It was lemon balm tea. Wow. They asked them to drink that just twice a day for a month. And this is and dry, so, dry lemon balm. lemon balm. Yeah, it was dried. The, yeah. the, wow. least, right? the yeah. least potent yeah, form. Great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So dried lemon balm, not a big dose. You know, it's just, it's like all these things, like I'm sure herbalists like reading that would be like, oh, oh no, like, you got to use fresh. Like yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you got to use more, you know, but despite all of that, um, so they had their oxidative stress markers and, you know, DNA markers tested before they started drinking the tea and then they drink it twice a day for 30 days and had all that tested again. Um, And the researchers said, you know, they had numerous improvements in the oxidative stress markers, including the, you know, marked reduction in DNA damage. So I just thought that was so fascinating. And I just thought, well, like, and that's so practical for all of us, right? Because we sometimes need, we break bones, we need x-rays or we go in, you know, for a dental appointment. Some people get x-rays for that or even just being on an airplane, yeah. You know, there's actually a large amount of radiation that comes just from airplane travel. And oh so, my God, I was shocked. Um, I recently heard a statistic on that, that if you fly from, I believe it was LA to New York City, I believe it's just like one round trip flight. So you're there and back once. It's the equivalent of getting a full chest x-ray. That's not walking through those stupid wow. machines. That's No, it's in, that's the, just air in the airplane. Because the, the plane, air, yeah. yeah, the body of the airplane isn't made out of lead. No, that's so, true. That would make the flying experience different. And our and our ozone thinning isn't helping. Right. You know? Interesting. <laughs> oh, I was shocked when I heard that. And I heard it from a, a fellow who's a like national physician. Uh-huh. I mean, he's like gotten all these awards and stuff. So it wasn't like I and I heard it directly from him. He was standing in front of me saying it. Mm-hmm. Right. So I was like, it wasn't like it was some secondhand thing. I'm like, wow, that's Shocking. I know quite a few x-ray techs. They are fun people to party with. <laughs> if you're in the dark. I'm, t- I'm telling you, they, it's a unique breed. It's a unique breed. If you're, if you're looking through the medical community and say, someone needs to go to a bar with me, always pick the x-ray tech. <laughs> always do that. But yeah, that's a concern that they bring up over yeah. and over again. Yeah. It's my, my job. Well, no matter. Cool, it's a cool study to share with them. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I'm, going, I'm doing it. makes that. me think of like even for airplanes. Like as yeah. now personally, I'm drinking lemon balm before planes and x-rays and that sort of thing but wouldn't it be cool if there was like lemon lemon balm shots at the the airport and stuff (laughs) Um, it's my theory that i don't know how they chose lemon balm for this study it's my i'm sure that so many herbs probably have that similar effect because they're high in antioxidants and they're you know just very protective but we just have this particular study on lemon balm that Mm. i just found really fascinating so clearly not uh, based on some uh cultural piece. Right. That's not, <laughs> right. You know, back in the time when we had x-rays, you know, we always used this out in the wild. Clearly that, but that's right. one of the things that you, you've, you've kind of alluded to before is we've, we're learning so much about these herbs that now things that aren't cultural uses, they, because we're learning about the intricacies of our body, we know more about that. 
and we're learning more of the intricacies of the herbs is that now scientists are stepping out of that standard box and finding yeah. new and interesting things to match our complex society that these herbs can treat. And here's a perfect mm-hmm. example of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's when I think we can probably look forward to that in the future. <laughs> huh, that's interesting. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing that one. That's a that gives me some some thought. <laughs> and of course, uh lemon balm's not good for everybody. If you got a thyroid problem, then you gotta be careful about that. But that's it's certainly good for most of us. I think it's really cool that you're using herbs that are so common, so easy to get a hold of. Yes. I mean, and so let me say it, cheap. Right. I mean, honestly, <laughs> you know, a thing of black pepper, mm-hmm. a box of chamomile tea. I mean, these are really not very expensive herbs. Yeah. You can it's, go to a fast food restaurant and get those little black pepper packets right there. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I mean, wow. of course, you know, you really should get the whole peppercorns and naturally, naturally. <laughs> but worst comes to worse. Wow. Yeah. Well, I I really appreciate you walking through these. Are there any other herbs that are just on the top of your chart that you want to talk about or combinations thereof while we got you here? Um, well, we could talk about another herb that's really common. Um, and isn't often thought of for chronic disease. Okay. And that would be plantain. Plantain. Uh, yeah. Plantain. So plantain was the first herb that I ever learned. And um, I had actually lived, just before I started studying herbalism, I lived in the Dominican Republic where they have plantains that are a little bit different. <laughs> it's a little um, the banana common name looking one problem. Is that what you're talking yeah, about? yeah, exactly. Okay. So that's not so the I'm one sitting, we're talking about, though. I'm sitting in my first um, herbal class, and it was on lip balms and healing salves. And um, my teacher yeah. Karen Sherwood says, like, oh, you know, plantains, one of the best overall vulnerary herbs and healers. And I was like, whoa, you know, I didn't know that. You know, mm-hmm. in my mind, thinking about the banana kind of plantain. And she's like, and, you know, it's best because it just grows everywhere where we walk. And I was like, wow, like I had no idea. Um, and so anyway, that was kind of one of those newbie moments. Um, so and she, you know, ended up taking us up to her driveway and showing us plantain. And I before that, I really had I'd never seen plantain. Like with my conscious mind. And as so often happens with herbs, once we get to know them, they are everywhere. And that's definitely, of course, very true of plantain (laughs) because it loves to grow where we walk. That's right. Englishman's foot. um, Yeah. So Mm -hmm. plantain, you know, it's often known as a first aid plant because it's most well known for being able to help with insect stings like wasp stings or bee mm-hmm. stings. And it is really miraculous for that. I have just seen it time and time again. For Nettle um, burns. Yeah, nettle sting. <laughs> yep. I've even seen, um, I haven't used it like this myself, but I've seen case studies where people use it for um, spider bites, like um, brown recluse bites. So it, it has yeah. a very you know, profound effect yeah. and um, really great for that first aid situation. Uh, how I use it for chronic health is more for that healing or vulnerary aspect of it uh, internally. And so I use it when I suspect that somebody has what's called leaky gut or intestinal Ah. permeability. Mm -hmm. So I can only say I suspect, right? Because um, if you have leaky gut or intestinal permeability, you you could go to a doctor and they could biopsy your intestine and then they can see if your villi, which are these little finger-like projectiles in your intestine, are damaged or not, thus meaning that you have this condition. 
you know, I don't biopsy people's intestines, right? Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. really. I can just like, I, yeah, I don't. Um, so I can say just people I suspect have this uh, chronic inflammation throughout their digestive tract, who may or may not have this leaky gut situation going on. A strong plantain plantain tea is so amazing for that. Mm. Uh, it's healing to those tissues. It's helping address the inflammation throughout the tract um, and plantain is super nutritious too. So they're also getting, you know, if you make a strong, it's extended steeped tea, then they're also getting lots of vitamins and minerals from those leaves as well. So I, I recommend plantain a lot in those situations. Sometimes I combine it, have them um, put other herbs into it too, like a little bit of uh, calendula, maybe some fennel or another aromatic herb too, to help um, promote digestion well. But that's one of my favorite ways. And it can be used for all sorts of gut wounds, you know, like um, things like um, like ulcers. Well, I imagine ulcers. Yeah, yeah, ulcers are a great example of when uh, plantain would be a good one. You know, so many things that we use comfrey for in the past, but now that since there's so much caution um, there with comfrey, plantain is a, a great one um, that doesn't have you know any potentially harmful alkaloids in it. So it can be used for a wider range of people and uh, for a much, you know, extended period of time as well. Nice. Or comfort level. Yeah. Well, well, thank you very much for, for meeting with us and sharing all of this wisdom about our wonderful plants. And also congratulations on your book, Alchemy of Herbs. Um, I'm sure that our listeners have a lot of questions. Can you ch- tell us how people would contact you? What are your websites and and uh, social media accesses? Sure. Um, so I have a website, herbswithrosalie.com. And on there, I have uh, recipes, I have herbal monographs. And if you sign up on my newsletter, then I have a little mini course on herbal energetics uh, to figure out if you tend to be hot or cold or damp or dry and and how herbs fit into that paradigm as well. So Herbs with Rosalie is a great way um, to get more information. I also have a contact form on there if people have questions. Nice. Um, I'm, I'm in, so, in the social media world. I'm mostly on Facebook. I have a, a business page, which is Herbs with Rosalie, and people can follow my personal account as well. Um, and a little bit on Twitter and a little bit on Pinterest, um, depending on people's, um, you know, what they use, but mostly on Facebook. Nice. Oh boy. Well, thank you. Thank you again for, for speaking with us today. Congratulations again. The statements made about herbs and products on this podcast have not been evaluated by the United States Food and Drug Administration, FDA. They're not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. All information provided on this podcast or any affiliated websites is for informational purposes only and is not intended as a substitute for advice from your physician or other healthcare professional. You should not use the information on this podcast and its affiliated websites for a diagnosis or treatment of any health problem. Always consult with healthcare professional before starting any new vitamins, supplements, diet, or exercise program before taking any medication. Or if you have or suspect you might have a health problem, any testimonials, questions, or case studies are based on individual results and do not constitute a guarantee that you will achieve the same results.